On today's pod, once again, we have a recording of Rai Match, and this week's panelists, they talk about their graduate studies and their TA experience and research experience. So if you would like to hear more, then please lean in and enjoy this conversation with Shiraz and Mohammed. Okay, so this week we have two, one was a former graduate student and Mohammed, I think you're a current graduate student and mm-hmm. you may recognize them as your TAs. Both of them were my TAs. And so uh, if you guys wanna introduce yourselves, just say your name and your role at Ryerson currently or your previous role at Ryerson. So Shiraz, maybe you can go first. Um, okay, sure. Thanks, Julia and Spanya. Um, I really like this uh, um, right match um, program you guys are um, co-hosting. So thank you for inviting me, first of all. Um, So yeah, I'm Shiraz. I uh, used to be a graduate student at Ryerson University until last month. Um, I just defended my thesis about three weeks ago, um, or about four weeks ago now, so a month ago. And uh, I started at Ryerson University in 2018 in the fall under Dr. Botello's supervision. Um, and then I did my master's. It, the plan was to finish it in two years, uh, but I ended up staying longer because of the pandemic. And we can go into that later and how that affected my work. But yeah, I did my master's under Dr. Botello's supervision in the molecular science uh, program, which is under the chemistry science, uh, chemistry and biology department. Um, so I just graduated my NSC and uh, Muhammad is on the same path, which he can tell you about more. Okay, perfect. I'll be down for that later, too. I'm sorry, Mohammed, you can go ahead. Yeah, my bad. Um, so, my name is Mohammed. You guys already know. Um, I finished my, I did my undergrad year at Ryerson in biology. Um, and then I decided to do a master's in molecular science with the same supervisor as Shiraz. So, um, Dr. Patel, actually, Shiraz actually trained me on a lot of stuff because he was a year ahead of me. So, he trained me on a, a lot of techniques. Um, and uh, I can tell you a little bit about my thesis. I work uh, on phagocytosis, basically the very terminal stages of phagocytosis and how cells recycle lysosomes. So I'm actually in my second year of master's. Um, hopefully should be done by the end, end of this year. I mean, again, I was supposed to finish by the summer, but again, because of the pandemic, it's all delayed. So uh, I'm considering a PhD as well. So uh, that's still kind of in limbo. I'm not 100% sure about that, if that's the best thing for me. But that's something that I'm keeping in mind for sure. Um, and yeah. Okay, thank you. And if, uh, Mohammed, if you want to just dive into what it's like to be a graduate student and how many classes a week you do um, and the workload compared to undergrad. So grad school is like a, a totally different animal. I mean, it's like, it's really not about coursework. I mean, it's the case for a research-based master's, which is what me and Shiraz did. Um, it's, it's really not about coursework. I mean, yeah, there are like, you're basically in your two years of master's or however long, you, however long it takes you to finish your master's. Um, you're supposed to do, you're supposed to finish three courses, but honestly, those courses are like pretty easy. Like it's really easy to get an A or whatever in it. Cause again, they're not really testing you on coursework. You've already done that in undergrad. What they're really testing you, you on is, are you able to work on a project for two years or whatever? Are you able to work progressively towards the final goal? Um, so it's really not about, uh, coursework. I mean, it's really all about planning your time and, uh, planning your goals, basically dividing your main thesis into smaller goals and then working towards that, uh, on a weekly basis. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. And Shiraz, I'm guessing that your answer would be pretty much the same as Muhammad since you guys... Yeah, um, I do have a couple of things to add. I think Mama's right, Nick, that uh, the course load is definitely not something that dictates your work life. Um, it's definitely something that you do almost like almost like a part-time basis because there's three courses you have to take, one um, per semester. I think you can do two per semester, but um, you can finish all three courses in the first year. Um, and the classes are, I think, one class, uh, one three-hour class every week. And it's pretty simple. As he said, like it's easy A, there's not much work to do. The main part of the work comes into your research project when you actually have to design experiments, read on the background of the experiments, what are the 
challenges that come with this experiment, the techniques that are involved, you shadow other students to learn, and then you curate all the reagents you need in the lab, and then you do the experiment, you do it three times, and then you analyze the data. So all of that work is very like self-taught. You have to sort of take the initiative and do all the pre-work yourself. The coursework um, is relatively easy com compared to all of this because it's dictated, you have a syllabus, you have a chapter, um, or an assignment and you, you were told what to do and it's just you just go on a computer and like do as you would do in your undergrad. But the main part of the challenge comes from the designing the whole experiment yourself and keeping yourself on track because there are some students who take longer than two, two years to do their masters way longer and then PhD as well. So I think that's one of the things that you would have to cope with because undergrad is very structured for you to have sort of like questions given and then you give the answer back. But in graduate school, you have to do all of the work yourself and kind of keep yourself in check whether you're about to graduate in two years or not. Um, your prof is there to guide you, but main part of the stuff comes from your own um, uh, initiatives. And also in terms of workload, I found actually undergrad was uh, a heavier workload for me than graduate school because you are taking um, uh, 10 courses every year and uh, in undergrad and it just the assignments and then you're working and volunteering and you have to work on your resume as well. So you have to do a lot of social activities um, and clubs and stuff uh, that takes up a lot of time. And oftentimes you end up taking courses that you don't necessarily want to take uh, versus graduate school is you apply to a lab that you're interested in, to, uh, interested, in the, uh, interested in basically and that project you're interested in. So it's really much tailored to your interests and uh, that all that automatically takes a whole huge load off of your uh, work work day because the work you're doing is you actually like it and it's also much more independent and much more uh, sort of much less uh, 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 in terms of like what you have to do is much less uh, you can basically design your own day and uh, sort of tackle it as you would um, on your own compared to like a regimented assignment due exams midterms in uh, undergrad so that's a huge difference I found between undergrad and graduate school so this year we actually have to take, um, well, I'm taking for biomed, that's my program. We're taking experimental design. I don't know if you guys took that as well. And uh, molecular bio lab. So for that, I think bio, um, biology and biomed students have to take the molecular bio lab. And the final exam is to create your own experiment at the end. So is it kind of similar to what we're doing of making your own experiment? Like, are you starting from scratch and you have to like, find out your hypothesis and um, like the method, like all of that all on your own? Well, it I is. think, Mohammed, you can answer that question better because you might've taken those courses here. Yeah, um, I have taken those courses, but my exam wasn't like that um, for that course. I took that like a few years ago. Um, in terms of uh, grad school for, for that question, I would say you're not like just thrown into a pit without any supervision. It's really all about I mean, firstly, what you should understand is that when a professor has like a supervisor, when they have their lab, they have like their initial grad students, which you work on certain projects and those projects start to branch off. Um, so there's always like your project is, I mean, rarely ever like something that nobody else in the lab has worked on. So it's always somebody's already worked on it before. Now you're just kind of basically, you know, taking a different branch to that, right? So uh, there's always a lot of support in terms of firstly, your supervisor. Uh, secondly, senior grad students who are there, um, more, most importantly, the ones who your project is branching out from. So you're told, okay, this is what your project is. And again, there's a lot of support with your supervisor, especially to help you out in actually breaking down those, um, that big thesis into like smaller goals so that you can work towards it. Uh, and then again, it's always people you can ask questions, um, people who train you. So it's not just like sent out there, okay, find your way. Um, the lot of, I mean, especially first year is just all about learning and making mistakes, which is, I believe the, the best thing that can happen to you is that make the most amount of mistakes that you can early on, because I equate mistakes with learning. So, uh, the more mistakes that you make in your first year of, of grad school, the more you learn. I mean, I've made the most like ridiculous mistakes. I think Shiraz probably knows some of them, um, in my, my first year and they've taught me a lot of things. So it just. You just take it from there. It just makes your future um, work easier, I would say. Thank you.
And I think Shiraz already answered this question, um, how your undergraduate experience was like, and would you go back and do it differently? Um, uh, so I, I think I forgot to tell you that uh, my, my undergrad was actually at McMaster University. Um, so I did my undergrad at McMaster University. It was in a similar sort of uh, program. It was called uh, uh, Molecular Biology and Genetics. And it was very specialized uh, after life sciences. Um, and I did that for my four years. And then I went to work at a pharma company called Apotex for a year. And then I moved to Ryerson to do my graduate work. Um, but I, I feel like in order, uh, would I do something differently? Um, I would probably focus more on uh, uh, sort of learning more like real world skills. I feel like I put myself too much into my studies and uh, sort of like um, made my view very narrow of uh, what a successful um, educational career looks like. I think I should have uh, branched out more into um, learning more about things that are more practical. So something like personal finance is uh, very important to learn about. Um, I, feel, I feel like universities, um, they help you specialize in a certain uh, aspect, but they don't necessarily are the places where you learn about personal finance, taxes, investments. And these are important things because ultimately we're trying to get a good job and um, with job comes money and what do you do with money? Um, and it dictates a lot of your life. So I feel like I should have focused more on other things as well. I mean, I got kind of like got to it, got around to it, but um, these things, the earlier you know, the better it is because they do have a positive impact in your decision-making once you leave undergrad and are deciding whether to pay back your loans or go to grad school or move somewhere or live with your parents, save on rent, things like that. So knowing these things make a big difference. Also, like many of uh, life sciences students, I was very uh, focused on medical school when I was in undergrad. And that sort of mentality um, sort of made me think that the only way to be successful was going to med school, um, which uh, is not a bad thing. Med, med school is a way to a successful career, but I found that equating success to only med school can limit your options um, during undergrad. Mm -hmm. And it stops you sort of, um, it stops like a horizontal growth. You only see one goal and it's sort of, uh, uh, sometimes can have a negative impact where you become very uh, narrow-minded. So um, if anyone here is pursuing medical school, um, uh, more power to you. It's a great goal to have, but just keep in mind that uh, it's not the only way to be successful. There are other ways to be successful in life as well, both uh, monetarily and, uh, you know, any other like status-wise as well. Yeah, what I like about med school now is that I think they like more diverse students. So like, I think they're, they look at that now, like even your hobbies to do something outside of school. Um, so that can like help if someone wants to go to med medical school. Like definitely, definitely, yeah. One type of personality, just books, like no social skills. Like it's, it's better now. It's probably still like crazy and hard and like you're still like set on one path, but it's a little bit better, I think. Yeah, grades do matter. I'm not gonna lie, the grades are important because they're easy way to tell if a student is dedicated and can stand, withstand the four grueling years of med school. Um, but yeah, if everyone else also has, like they only take like 172 students, and I think in U of T per year, and all of the, it, there are definitely more students than 172 that have 4.0 GPAs. So then what else do you judge them on? Um, and that's where like extracurricular things come in, so. No, I agree. I, I want to go to med school. That's why I'm trying to like defend that. <laughs> but like, I, I understand you. Like, I understand what you're saying. Um, and Mohammed, so would you go back and do it differently, undergrad? Um, yeah, I would actually. I mean, a lot, a lot of what uh, Shiraz says also applies to me. I mean, in terms of, uh, I got really ingrained into my uh, coursework. Okay, you know, what's the next assignment do? What's the next exam? Uh, what's the next lab do? And all that stuff, which was a good thing, of course. Um. But at the end of the day, like, I, I didn't really give too much time to extracurriculars. I mean, at least as much as I could have. Um, also, I would say financial literacy is a very, very important thing. Also, I believe the biggest um, skill that, well, I did end up developing it, but I wish I developed it earlier on in undergrad, uh, was time management. And I think time management is really, really, it's just key to uh, success in, in, like, even your undergraduate, your graduate. 
Um, so I wish I developed that earlier on. Um, that would have definitely helped me a lot. And uh, also the med school thing, I think I do wish you guys completely on that, that in our, in our field is kind of like a, there's a notion that, okay, if you don't go to med school, you're a failure. But that's actually, again, not true at all. Um, and there was just so many types of like fields that you can go through to, uh, that you can go through uh, grad school, for example, something like science communication that I literally didn't have, like I had no clue that it was actually a lot of like careers that were for science communication that you could pursue with a graduate degree. So um, I think really educating myself on that, that, uh, hey, there's a lot of different career paths out there that you can take. Um, that would have definitely made my journey easier for sure. Thank you. Um, and so you guys are both in graduate school or were in graduate school. So clearly you guys have to have like exceptional grades and um, like a lot of stuff under your under your belt to like get your get you there. So what do you recommend um, like students do to get to your position in regards to as extracurricular activities? Um, hmm. Extracurricular activities. So grades are important for uh, grad school. However, not as much as med school. So if you look at the requirements for uh, med school compared to grad school, there is a drastic difference. Um, grad school is more lenient and it does not require you to be as regiment and as like books oriented. Um, just because you're initiating your own project, you're managing your own project, you are managing your own timeline and it's much more relaxed for sure. Um, in terms of extracurriculars, I would suggest something that's more um, like my experiences in science research and science uh, project management. So I, I um, sort of uh, took my um, volunteer time and uh, uh, my extra time to volunteer at a lab at McMaster um, just because it kind of gave me an idea of what it's like to be a graduate student and what it's like to be in a lab, what it's like to be sort of uh, under management by a from a graduate student um, back then um, and then I also pursued a graduate thesis in my fourth year to really understand how what it's like to be in the lab for the whole day and to do experiments back 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 to back um, it's sort of like giving an idea of like is this something what I want to do is this something that's feasible um, if I found that to be um, a boring endeavor I wouldn't have pursued it but I found it quite interesting it really depends on the type of lab I guess you get into as well sometimes you're lucky and you find the work really interesting other times you find it boring and you don't pursue it afterwards um, so something in science related something in lab related I, I do understand that in um, in uh, in undergrads especially second year third year it's hard to get into a lab because just by numbers there are more, more grad students more um, uh, undergrad students and there are labs or positions available and for that, I would suggest just uh, emailing professors and emailing your TAs and trying to ask for any positions that come up. And even if you email once and the answer is no, uh, it just means no for now, not no forever. So if you keep sort of, uh, you know, every three months or so, keep emailing your TAs, sometimes they forget. Um, but if you keep reminding them, if there's a position that becomes open, they'll have your name in mind. So sort of being proactive in approaching these volunteer positions um, for the labs. I found that to be helpful. And uh, once you get in, you can also do a thesis in the same lab because professors or supervisors are usually more lenient on volunteers who already have the experience in the lab to give them those thesis positions with them here. Just because you already know all the techniques and already know the people in the lab and you have the background info, it's a much smoother transition compared to someone who's just starting out. And eight months is a very small time for a project. So the, if you have a better head start, that's even better. So something science related, something volunteer, uh, volunteer in the in the in a science lab kind of thing, kind of helped me um, decide where I wanted to go. Um, Mohammed. Um, well, for me, okay. So, firstly, I mean, again, what Shraz said, get into a lab. So, um, what I really suggest is that I mean, for our programs for bio and biomed, it's like first year is kind of like very general courses. And second year, you really start to get into your own field and take courses like cell biology, uh, what is it, biochemistry, uh, zoology, or physiology, all that stuff. So you really get a chance to experience all these types of ologies. So then you can really decide, okay, what do I like? And then if you find that, hey, I really like, I really enjoy cell biology, then make sure the prof knows you. 
make sure that you go up to him, fuck up to him or her if you have to. I mean, I did that, you know? So like, uh, do that, like go, go up to them, ask them questions, like let them know that, hey, you're actually enthusiastic about this field, you know what I mean? Learn about their research, learn about what they, what they research on in their lab. Um, so again, let them know who you are. Then again, then ask them, hey, um, I'm interested in volunteering in your lab. They say, yes, that's great, then you get in. Um, try to pick up as many skills as you can, try to perfect them. And then maybe let's say if you get into a lab in second year, then by the time you're in fourth year, as you asked that you can do a thesis project. So now you've already had like two years of research under your belt and you do a thesis project. That's, I mean, I'm not gonna say guarantee, but you have a really, really high chance of getting into grad school with that professor as a supervisor, um, especially if that professor gets like ample amount of funding. So um, I'll say, yeah, that's a really, really, big thing to do is to uh just try to get into a lab make sure the professor knows you and in terms of like gpa um i reassure really on that as well i mean gpa doesn't really matter like from my personal experience of people who graduated with me uh i graduated in 2019 from undergrad so uh i they i knew a lot of people who were actually applied to grad school as well and, and uh some of them had gpas over four 4.0 and they didn't get in you know what i mean um, and that just has to do with the professor either doesn't know them, um, or maybe if they do know them, they don't have funding, they don't have as, uh, as much research experience as someone else. And at the same time, I've had people that I know who've had like low three point, like three, three point two, three, uh, GPAs that, that have gotten in. I mean, as long as you meet the criteria, like if you go on the molecular science website and they have the criteria, hey, you need a minimum of a thing 3.0, I believe, or 3.33, whatever the minimum is, as long as you have that. Um, and the professor knows you and he's willing to take you on, you're good. So I believe, I believe like the, the relationship between you and the professor is um, the professor that you're applying to do your master's under is just so much more important than uh, your grade in undergrad. Thank you. And um, I was going to ask what you like most about being a TA and least about being a TA. But just out of curiosity, do you have to become a TA if you're taking your, um, if you're doing your master's? Depends on the university. So I know in U of T, um, master's students actually don't have to. And it's also hard for them to get a TA ship just because they have so many graduate students that they go mainly to PhD students first. But in uh, Ryerson, in molecular science program, at least, um, you do have to TA. Um, you can refuse to, you can choose not to, but your um, graduate stipend, your, your, your payment basically comes from three different places. Um, a third of it comes from the professor and the third other, other third comes from the Ryerson University and the last third comes from the TA ship that you get. So if you choose not to do it because you wanna focus on your work and you're financially capable of refusing TA ship, then sure. Um, but it is uh, a guarantee that you'll get at least one TA position per semester, at least for the fall and winter uh, semesters and not the summer one. But two TA ships per year is uh, guaranteed as a graduate student, but you don't have to do it if you don't want to do it. Okay, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so what did you like most about being a TA and least about being a TA? Uh, Mohammed, do you wanna go first? Uh, sure. Uh, for the most, uh, the thing that I like the most about teaching is teaching. I mean, I have always had a like, I've always had a like a really special thing for uh, for teaching. Like, just uh, I really enjoy like whatever knowledge that I have. I really like to tell people about it. You know what I mean? Um, especially those that are like younger than me and are taking the courses or whatever that I've previously taken. So the biggest thing is the thing that I enjoy the most is that I'm seeing the, the exact same courses that I took as an undergrad student at Ryerson. So I think that just makes it really interesting so that I can actually teach the students and help them succeed as well and maybe give them tips that um, I wish somebody would have given to me. So I think the teaching aspect of it um, is like the most enjoyable and it would have, I mean, right now it's, not as enjoyable because again it's all on zoom but when we used to actually be in the lab and actually helping them out hands-on that was just even more better um in terms of the thing that i enjoy the least is marking um especially for because i ta for biochemistry department and we're notorious for having like big big lab reports um especially for advanced biochemistry one for this year they didn't have that uh manuscript that the students do they instead had a, a smaller assignment which was only like three four pages long 
But um, last year, which was my first year teaching, um, students were doing manuscripts, and these manuscripts are like 40 pages long for students. So you got to mark those and get them done within a certain amount of time, which is usually like a week or whatever. So I think marking is a, is a thing that I really don't enjoy, but other than that, it's not too bad. I have, a, I have a question. Do you guys get to choose which course you TA or is it kind of assigned to you? You know, sure, I, can go I, I can take it, sure. Uh, yeah. So in the beginning of every semester, there is a survey sent out by the department and you just pick your uh, preferences. That doesn't guarantee you'll get that course, but um, you can just say, uh, this is, I'm capable of teaching this course. It's a whole list of courses. You can just say, I can teach this. I can't teach this. I can teach this. And then uh, they try their best to give you um, the course that you um, are capable of teaching. Uh, just because of what your undergrad experience was like and what your lab projects are like. Sometimes people have specialties. So I, for example, won't be able to teach something. Well, I can, but probably not the best for something like uh, plant biology or things like that, because that's not my area of expertise. I'm more in mammalian cells and immunology. So I taught more of uh, cell bio usually um, and some of uh, microbiology as well. But yeah, so it, it, it's you sort of have a choice, but sort of don't. OK, thank you. Yeah. And you didn't say yet what you like most or least about being a TA. Did yeah, you? so this question is really interesting to me. I really love teaching. Um, I think, so after undergrad, I actually started, I had a gap year basically where I worked at the Apotex company for a year. And uh, I, my, when you're working, your evenings are free all of a sudden. So you can do whatever you want after you finish work. Um, and I really, one of the things I pursued was financial literacy. So I read a lot of books on economics and like investments and things like that, just to educate myself on those things. And one of the other things was that I started a website on the side just to sort of put out the information that I learned from my undergrad. Uh, I, I basically wrote articles about biology, cell biology and how like the context of the real world. I lay, lay terms because I wanted the actual public to understand molecular biology and not sort of have it gated just to the academic crowds. Um, so I basically love teaching. And when I, I realized that I would get to teach at Ryerson, I was super excited. Um, and I, one of the, the best thing I like about Tiang is uh, teaching kids or students, sorry, uh, just uh, something new that they, had, that they didn't know before and also teaching it in a way that's more approachable than just a textbook. Um, at least that's what I think how I come across. I don't know how you guys, you guys probably tell me better, but I like to teach things in a way that's more um, casual because oftentimes a PowerPoint slide or something that's you can reading off a textbook can get mundane and people lose interest. So what you want to do is basically talk casually as if you're talking about something else, but it's science and it's molecular science and that kind of engages people into conversations. Um, the That was my favorite part about teaching basically. The main goal, at least I tried to make it in my lab was to so that people learn something new that day that they didn't know before they came into the lab. So that was my main goal um, every time. The least uh, I would say oftentimes, so you have to have a system to grade students, like it's important because otherwise you won't be able to sort of, uh, uh, you know, pass students or tell them that you are not doing so right. But I found the grading system to be sometimes too restrictive and students who probably had a different style of learning or they couldn't um, do like rote memorizations and then put those stuff, put that knowledge on a on a paper, or you know they were slow writers, things like that. They, there were other reasons for them not performing so well, other than just like them not being able to learn. They were good learners, but they just couldn't like do good on, in terms of grades. And I found myself sort of restricted because I wanted to give them motivation to study and learn and grow, but the bad grades that I had to assign to them sort of was like a demotivator for me to like kind of exist in this like academic system because I, I there was no other way for me to like uh, tell them that you're still a good student, you're learning, that's what the matters. But then the grades were like sort of, I had to give them lower grades just because the content that they were supposed to be writing on the assignments or on the quizzes were not exactly what I was given. So uh, it's comparatively. Um, so I found that to be sort of the least, uh, I guess, enjoyable part of teaching. But if I had a choice, I would probably, uh, you know, revamp the whole grading system, but that's just me. Okay, thank you. Um, and I guess this question applies to both being an undergrad 
like an undergraduate student and a master's student. Um, how did you guys find time to balance both school and life? Like the school life balance, even if you had a job like work. All right, um, I guess I'll take it. So uh, are you talking about grad school or undergrad? Or Anything, it doesn't matter, just like in general. I mean, to be honest, when I came to uh, undergrad, I was really, I had no social life. I mean, I was just in the classroom or in front of my laptop studying. And again, that was one of the things that, actually, I should have mentioned that was one of the things I, I regret was uh, not really having fun as well. Um, and I kind of felt burnt out in my fourth year. And uh, I mean, that has to do with, because I kind of had a rough start to my, uh, my undergrad and I was like, oh man, I'm struggling, I have to get my grades up. Uh, believe it or not, I actually went on probation in my first year, academic probation, um, first year of undergrad. And after that, I really, really just, just went, just dove head first into my studies and just shut everything off. So when it came to undergrad, um, I really had just a really, really bad work-life balance, to be honest with you. Um, and it was just, uh, just all just studying always. Um, but, when, but for grad school, um, I think it's also much, much easier to have a good work-life balance because you're making your own schedule so um i mean yes you have okay a kind of like a mini goal in mind that okay i want i want to achieve this by let's say the end of this month so uh and then it's up to you how you achieve it and when you plan your experiments when you plan to come into the lab so uh, it's really much easier to uh balance your work uh your work in life and uh yes it was like good so would you say you have more free time like as a graduate student or as an undergraduate student? I would say, I mean, I chose not to have free time in undergrad, even though I wish I, I, I could have if I wanted to. But definitely I have more free time now than I did back then. And you kind of, I mean, also with grad school, sometimes, again, uh, I think Shiraz touched on this earlier on, sometimes you don't have reagents in the lab and you actually can't do your experiments. So you're pretty much just taking time off the lab and you're just, I mean, you're always doing some work, you're analyzing your results or you're doing microscopy or something like that, but you do have at times more time on your hands, which you can dedicate to uh, your social life. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I second that. Um, my undergrad experience was very hectic, um, especially the program that I was in McMaster was so um, just a, uh, everyone around me was very, very dedicated. So I sort of didn't realize that you could take time off. Um, so undergrad was definitely very hectic, especially in the fourth year when you're trying to like uh, do a thesis, volunteer work, as well as carry courses and finish assignments. Um, I don't think I've ever worked that hard my entire life. Um, that, that was the hardest year of my life, I think I would say in terms of like, just like the busyness. Um, and grad school comparatively is very, very easy in terms of having a work-life balance. Um, you don't have like assignments due. I mean, if you're taking courses in first year, you have like one or two big assignments due, but it's nothing compared to undergrad where, you know, you have five classes per semester and they're like in four months and assignments and midterms and final exams and you're studying constantly. And um, one of the ways I would tackle undergrad if I could go back is have a regiment and have a nine to five schedule almost as if it's a job and start working from nine o'clock, do all your classes, especially now that you're at home, um, do all your classes and then stop working at five or six. And then your evening is your evening. You can do whatever you want. Um, but I definitely was not as regimented in undergrad and things are different because when you're going class to classes, your day is so broken up that it's hard to kind of stick to a nine to five. But I think that's one way you can introduce a work-life balance in undergrad. In grad school, everything's up to you. So I actually knew a student who would come at night, like from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. to do their work in the lab and then just go home and sleep in the morning and repeat the same cycle. So it's really up to you. There is some sort of accountability. There is a committee that basically teaches you, that basically keeps you on track uh, for your work. So it, it happens, I think, in the first semester, uh, fourth and fifth semester and the last semester, sixth semester, I guess, is your defense. So you meet like once every six months and uh, sort of uh, update your committee on your progress in the thesis. So your committee is consisted of uh, your professor and then two other professors from the department that you add. So three people basically judge your work and tell you um, whether you're on track or not. 
and uh, your professor also keeps meeting with you every week. So it's not like you're you know, left to your own devices, but uh, majority of the time you basically make your own schedule and uh, sort of like find time for your own, for yourself. It's, uh, it's very much like a job, like a nine to five job where you go into the place, you spend your eight, seven, eight hours there, even less sometimes, and just come back and do your thing at home. Um, so it really helps you divide up the time more easily. But yeah, undergrad comparatively uh, was definitely more difficult in terms of uh, just having more time. Yeah, I just wanted to, because you mentioned like trying out the nine to five thing. Like I tried doing that now that like we're home and it doesn't work because like, like I guess I could make it work. But like if you have like a lab or an assignment due, like sometimes you just have to put in those extra hours of work on top of like the three hours that you have to listen to your lectures or like actually go to your lectures. So for me, it didn't work. I don't know if anyone else, if it worked for you, let me know what you're doing because it's not working for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I actually just want to, sorry, yeah, I just want to add something to uh, grass that. So um, in grad school, I mean, for Shisarar, like for mine and uh, Shiraz's uh, supervisor, Dr. Patello, he's really, really, um, I would say, quote unquote, chill with, uh, if you want to take vacation, you want to take some time off. And he has like a policy that if you do want to take vacation, like you feel burned out, take a, week, uh, take a vacation for two weeks or whatever. Um, and he actually tells you, don't even check your email. You know what I mean? It's like, take some time off, go have fun. Um, so that once you're nice and relaxed and then you come back and do your work. So that's something I want to add on to uh, what you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, it's all about self-discipline mm -hmm. too. Because, like you probably want to check your emails if you're on vacation. Like you have to force yourself to leave work at work and like, home at home kind of just um to separate the two because yeah I find like even like on my phone it's just so distracting because I see all my emails popping up like you want to answer it right away you want to see like new assignment posted on D2L oh my god let me like go check that out now so it, it's I think the number one thing is to put your phone away I tried to do that it's hard but just going on my phone I can waste like two hours just like scrolling unnecessary things texting it's it's such a distraction so yeah, especially I when you get that email that says grade has been updated. Oh yeah, you check that right away. That I yeah. can't. I have to see that right away. Sometimes I wait. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want my day to be ruined. So I'm just like, wait. That's control. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Um. So, uh, next question is getting your master's degree. What you imagine it to be? So maybe Shiraz, you can go first. Yeah, I think I just finished it. So I guess I'm more. Um, I guess uh, more capable of answering this question. Mahmoud is still in it, so um, we'll see how it goes, Mahmoud. Um, but <laughs> so far, I mean, I, honestly, it's been only a month since I finished it, so I, the experience is very fresh in my mind. I'm, uh, I'm, um, I think I, I think I expected it to be more, um, more. Uh, I guess compared. Co more from coming from an undergrad experience, I expected it to be more uh, demanding in terms of my time. I thought it would be much more hectic near the end, um, but perhaps COVID has something to do with it that everything felt so slowed down that I didn't feel the sudden rush leading up to the thesis to um, uh, do a lot of work in the lab just because we were restricted in terms of our schedules. Now that COVID is uh, uh, a thing, we have to sign up on a Google Excel sheet before we go into the lab, so only five or six people are allowed in the lab at a time. So it, I, I was forced to be more regimented, I guess. That could have something to do with it. But um, I think it was, uh, other than that, I, th I thought it was what I expected it to be. So I took a gap year after my undergrad, but I had a couple of friends who actually pursued directly after undergrad their graduate degrees. So I had them to sort of tell me like how, what, is, what it's like. And they were telling me that, yeah, it's very much like your work day where you go nine to five in the lab and then your evenings are your evenings. Um, so I found that to be true as well for myself. In terms of gaining new skills and uh, working um, in the lab, I found that the technical lab skills are important to learn to do well on your experiments. But I also found that um, getting to know people around you, getting to know other people um, uh, in the office is uh, also a really important part of graduate school um, uh, environment. You don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be just the best student who does PCR, or the best student who does microscopy. You want to be 
um, an overall uh, student who develops professionally as well, you need to talk to people who are your colleagues, your professors, um, and the other people as well. For example, um, I, I see a link posted here about Ryerson's financial literacy program. Um, uh, it's run by Sunny, at least last time I checked, in the uh, library. So he is the librarian at Ryerson University, uh, or one of the librarians, sorry. And uh, when I first started at at, uh, at, uh, at my program, I did my work, but then in the evenings, I also went to this financial literacy program that he was running, um, I think it was once every week in the fall semester. Um, so things like that, you grow your network of people, and these are the people who will eventually help you find a good job at the end, um, just because they won't look at what technical skills you have in the lab that are really good. It's more about um, what type of person that uh, were they, were they hardworking, were they punctual, things like that. These sort of like soft skills um, I also wanted to develop, and I found that grad school was a good place to develop these soft skills because you have the experience to you have the opportunity to do TA, which teaches you a lot of things, how to communicate properly, how to mentor people. Um, you also have the experience to TA, uh, to mentor uh, new students coming into the lab. That's all, that also like teaches you a lot of stuff about how to be patient, what learning actually looks like, what coaching looks like, um, what managing looks like. So all of these soft skills that you not necessarily come under the description of this program will teach you this and this or requires this and this. It won't uh, explicitly say those things, but you get those experiences um, throughout graduate school. And if I were to go back to the beginning of grad school, like I would be surprised at how much I'd learned. Like I know a lot more now than I knew when I, before I started grad school and there's a whole learning process. And uh, uh, that basically develops you as a, as a professional person overall, not just a good like academic researcher, but just as a good like uh, professional person. And I, I sort of um, expected that going in, but it, sort of met my expectations and exceeded in terms of how, how good of experience it was overall. Uh, yeah, and um, what was I gonna ask? Oh, how did your thesis go? If you wanna talk briefly about that, just so people understand like what that is. Yeah, so um, as Mohammed alluded to earlier, um, a lab is created by a professor after they have finished their PhD and their postdoc and they have been hired by a university um, and they have been given funding to create a lab. That professor in particular will have an area of interest for that really is uh, interest to the, of interest to them and they're curious about that topic. So Dr. Botello has always been interested in uh, organelle biology. Organelles are these tiny lipid uh, bound compartments and cells that basically do functions and uh, a, lot, a lot of different functions. And our lab mainly deals with lysosomes, which are these like acidic organelles that break down bacteria. And uh, his lab employed um, graduate students, including masters, PhDs, postdocs, and I think research techs um, a while back, who basically worked on various different projects to sort of advance our collective knowledge in this area of lysosomal biology. When I got here, um, there was a student before me who was working on a project similar, where she was investigating um, how lysosomes behave in immune cells like macrophage cells or dendritic cells. And when I got here, there was a question that she wanted to ask in terms of research, like in, to, in terms of a project. And I was given that question to pursue further. And that was basically uh, how lysosomes change when you challenge the immune cells with the bacteria or something like that. Um, and I <clears throat> basically used, pursued that question for two years and broke it down into smaller pieces. Because when you're a molecular biologist, you have to ask questions on a very molecular level. And it's very, every experiment is very, very specific. Um, and that took me two years. It, it composed of about, I want to say like 10 different types of experiments and doing them three times and repeating. And at the end, my thesis basically was a compilation of all those experiments um, in, a, in a written format. It was like 130 pages. So it's not much in terms of writing, like you guys are easily capable of doing it. I'm sure your lab reports will come out to be like 100 pages sometimes. So it's pretty close. It's just a, a much more sort of sophisticated way of, uh, of conveying your uh, discoveries. And it's a, one of the cool things about researching in science is that when you find out something, you, for a small amount of time, you're the only person in the entirety of humanity who knows that one specific thing. So if you discover, if you do an experiment and you find out, oh, whoa, lysosomes are actually uh, moving to this side of the cell when you treat them with this drug. 
and no one else knows that in the world but you. So it's one of those cool things that kind of keeps you going and keeps you motivated. It helps you with the with, you know further experiments as well. Um, but ultimately, uh, if your thesis is a compilation of all the experiments that you've done in the two, those two years, and you write it up in a big long document, and then you also sort of defend it to the, your committee, the committee I mentioned, and it went really well for me um, because Dr. Patella was there side by side as I was working, so there's no surprises. Uh, he knew my work already, and when I presented it to the committee, it was well received. People um, uh, obviously had questions. It's a part of the defense process, but ultimately I was allowed to pass. I don't know if people know actually if, how defense works and stuff. I, I didn't know in, great in, in second year, so defense is basically it comes from like very old timey academic settings where um, people would work under a professor do their research for two years or five years if it's a phd and then they would um, basically have the entire program our entire department come here in a big hall and present their research and then they would be asked questions by the committee members and if they fail to satisfy the committee's um, judgment they would have to go back to the lab and do more work until it was like finally finished and they had a, a needle like bow on the project um, but that doesn't really happen too much these days. If your prof is there with you side by side, they will tell you if you're ready to defend or not. Um, so ultimately I was able to defend, I was able to pass and uh, hopefully I'll get my degree soon. I don't know if a convocation is happening, but um, we'll find out. Congrats, you probably feel so relieved after two years, all that hard work. Yeah, now um, it was, uh, sorry, I also got a job near the end. So it was hard to like write my thesis and do like a full-time job um but it's one of those things that was only like a month and a half or two months of overlap so it kind of helped me quickly finish it and move on um but i can talk about it later afterwards okay and mohammed so um is getting your master's degree is it what you imagine it to be uh somewhat but i mean in terms of actual lab work like yeah i knew i was gonna be in the lab i was gonna be pipetting and uh, doing a lot of other stuff but um I would say it's really, it kind of didn't dawn on me how much, like how many opportunities you really have to grow in grad school. I mean, um, like, I really like something that, that Dr. Patello told me when I first started. He was like, if you're going to stay here for two years for a master's or five years for a, or for a PhD, and all you're going to learn how to do is run a Western blot, then you like really fail the main goal of grad school. Because grad school is really, for you, it's an opportunity for you to grow um develop skills that are going to help you out for the rest of your life and i think uh there's a lot a lot of opportunities available um even now during covid but i would say more so before covid um that can really help you develop skills that again are essential um, also we have seminars where we present frequently and as a biologist like you presenting your data is something that is critical um, and not even just your data, it really just develops your skills and develops your presentation skills so that uh, you can, because again, you're presenting in front of a diverse group of people who um, probably don't even know what a lysosome is, um, and you're diving right into it. So it really teaches you how to present information to people who are not, have either no clue or are very, very less familiar with what you're about to talk, what you're going to talk about. So again, that's just one of the skills that I really didn't know I was going to develop when I um started grad school also um i would say in terms of the opportunities that like to make connections to make um really like academic relationships and stuff like that with uh with your colleagues uh again i didn't think that was really maybe a big part of grad school but it was um so yeah okay thank you and you guys both kind of touched on earlier how um it's taking it took you guys a bit longer to do your masters because of covid mm -hmm. so how exactly did covid impact that if um if shiraz if you want to go yeah um so labs were shut down earlier on from march to i want to say like beginning of july so that like three and a half months of lab closure definitely extended my timeline later on because a master's degree is supposed to be two years from September to uh, two years online in August, it would end, but I finished in uh, December um, and then defended in January. There is a month of buffer period where you can still graduate and be called a 2020 graduate instead of 2021 because 
Uh, there's like a buffer period of like one month in January, which you can use. So when the labs are closed for three and a half months, it's really a difficult uh, thing for graduate students because our lifeblood is experiments. And if you can't do experiments in the lab, you can't do, you can't generate data. If you can't generate data, then you can't um, write your thesis. So once you stop going to the lab, it definitely hampers your progress. Fortunately, I was in a place where I had already been working for about a year and a half when COVID hit. So my, I had enough data so that I could like do computational analysis at home and start writing my thesis, um, at least the sections that I could. So I could write the method section, I could write the uh, some of the results section, I could compile the uh, results into figures, write those, format those, write the introduction section, because introduction is basically the background of the project. So it, it sort of uh, um, uh, gives a, a background to your project. So these are things you don't necessarily need to be in the lab for. So during those time, during that time when the lab was shut down, I did that. But as soon as the lab opened, you, I had to be super productive with my time. There was no time to fool around. I have to uh, design my days and design my experiments week in advance and like sort of know what I, I'll be doing step by step and uh, sort of uh, maximize the uses of time in, a, in the most efficient way. Uh, but it definitely ended up delaying a, uh, about, about a semester uh, for, for me at least. Uh, Mohammed can uh, answer that as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it definitely impacted my uh, the learning curve that we have when we first started grad school. So that was in my first year. I just started, um, well, it started in September. So September to March was like six months. I was only six months into my grad school, uh, into my master's when uh, the lab shut off. So uh, for me, it was kind of like, um, I was still learning the different techniques. So learning how to adapt to grad school. And it was just like, okay, now I have to sit at home. So there wasn't really much I could do because I, again, I hadn't generated enough data yet to uh, be able to analyze it at home and you know start writing uh, but I was like again able to uh, well we had to write our thesis proposal which is basically like um, what are you going to do your master's on so that's what we mostly worked on especially like for the first year grad students um, and uh, yeah it has impacted it in terms of uh, delaying it for a semester at least if I only stick to master's but if I want to pursue a PhD then that's different because I'm going to transfer so, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Okay, thank you. And just to wrap it up, what piece of, of advice would you give your second year self? Well, that's a big question. Um, I think I would re-summarize a lot of stuff what I said already, which is, if I could just say, that, say those things in bullet points is, um, sort of not be so narrow-minded when it comes to thinking of success. Um, you, your career can take different ways and you can still be successful. Um, learning more about finances, personal investments, personal finances, things like that. Um, and sort of, uh, I guess being more regimented undergrad, I know it's difficult, but sort of uh, following a more strict timeline in terms of when I'm working, when I'm free. Otherwise it was all over the place and I didn't know, I, I felt panicked all the time. <laughs> Um, but if there's a dedicated time by which you finish your assignments and piece and, and uh, lab work and stuff, it's uh, it, it makes it more smooth, I guess. Um, that and uh, just overall, kind of enjoy the experience. Um, it it uh, definitely will go by faster than you think. People imagine four years, and um, right now I'm like finished my grad school and I'm out of, out of grad school now. So it's time flies by and sort of like reflect on uh, experiences that you're generating in undergrad. And um, I found that this time was the time when I made my core group of friends, because in high school, you're in high school, you, you know, you, you associate with people just because you're close to them oftentimes. But when you go to undergrad, you really have to find your tribe where you interact with people that are close, that are like you and you make your own group of friends um, based on your own interests and not necessarily because you're in close proximity, like in high school. So sort of like uh, take that approach um, and uh, enjoy, my, enjoy my time with my friends and uh, um, overall just kind of like appreciate the experience and, and not be so like head down in books all the time. I completely agree. And Mohammed? Um, I would say a lot of it, what Shiraz said is also applies to me as well. But one thing that, um, I mean, I clearly remember in second year that I was kind of feeling was like hopeless. 
in a way that this is never going to finish. I mean, and oh my God, I'm doing all, all of this with just a piece of paper and all of that. But um, I will really tell myself to be excited for the future, to be uh, excited for all the opportunities that are going to come ahead, for all the stuff that you're going to learn. Also, that grades are not everything. So, uh, yes, you know, focus on getting good grades and basically exercising your potential. Um, but that's not the only thing. It's also about, again, extracurriculars, also about having fun, you know, enjoying the ride because it's going to be over. And uh, I mean, I personally actually do miss undergrad at times, you know, it was, uh, again, I was with a lot of friends, but even though I didn't really spend much time with them, but it was fun being with class and being with them in class and everything. And now when you, once you graduate, you're like, wow, I'm an adult now. And now I have to like, you know, take on all these uh, responsibilities. And uh, even with like, for example, grad school, you're, you're supposed to be more responsible. So you have to act more like an adult. I mean, you already are an adult in undergrad as well, but I'm talking about the actual mental um, aspect of it. So yeah, I would say have fun, enjoy the ride. Um, don't feel hopeless and uh, grades are not everything. I completely agree with the grades thing. Like you, mm -hmm. at that moment, it feels the most devastating thing when you get a low grade than you expected. Um, but definitely think of the bigger picture and keep your eye on the prize and think of yourself, where would you be in the next five years, 10 years? And, uh, you know, no one thinks back to like, oh, that's C plus in biology, shoot. Um, so just keep that in mind. Yeah. And before we go into breakout rooms, Shiraz, did you want to talk about your new job that you're in? Just quickly. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm wearing this sweater here. This is a uh, coincidence, but uh, I wasn't really trying to promote them. It's called Bensai. This company is a company started five years ago, and uh, uh, it's a Toronto-based biotech startup. So, so their whole idea is to make uh, make uh, reagent selection more. Uh, accessible to scientists to increase preclinical um, experiments to get the drugs faster out of the market. I could break that down into lay terms. Basically, when scientists are working in, in pharmaceutical companies, um, they're trying to find new drugs to cure diseases. It, they have to work on um, cells and mice and stuff like that. And oftentimes experiments fail because um, it's molecular biology and everything is very, very um, uh, it's like a black box. A cell is like a black box. You can't see anything. So you use tools and reagents and uh, proteins to do the experiment that kind of allow you to defer the results indirectly or uh, discern the results indirectly. And those tools include things like antibodies, plasmids, RNAi, um, or other things, other proteins like, uh, you know, peptides or different kinds. These things are obviously bio biological and made by cells. And we just harvest these things from the cells. So we still can't see them properly. And when we use them to do our experiments in a preclinical setting, oftentimes experiments fail because all oh, the antibody is bad and the affinity of the antibody is not the best for my protein of interest. So where can I find the best antibody to give me the right results in the first time I try the experiment? And this company basically compiles um, all of literature. So if you, you've been reading scientific papers on PubMed and stuff, it, it, it basically makes a software program that will look for a single antibody from a single vendor and search for it um, in the entirety of literature. So in like millions of papers that are on PubMed, it will search for that antibody whenever it was used in a paper and it will pull out that figure to show it to the scientists um, who is basically looking for uh, how good this antibody is. And it will show them like 20 figures right off the bat on the web page. And it makes it easy for scientists to decide, oh, this antibody is crap because all the pictures that I'm seeing from previous researchers are really bad for this antibody. So I'm not going to buy this. I'm going to buy something that's better. Um, and that really speeds up the process because your experiments are not failing constantly and you um, are able to select all the different plasmids, RNAIs, and antibodies and different types of things that go into your experiment correctly the first time and you save for each experiment you can save up to like three months or four months of failure um, so that's this company and they have different departments so one is a engineering department that designs the software it's a machine learning algorithm that they design and uh, they also need scientists on the team to basically help them understand what a molecular biology is what research is how is research done? What is an antibody even? Because if you're an engineering student, you really learn about molecular biology. So they need a team of scientists who basically guide the 
engineers and also whatever data that they produce, we also sort of audited the data to see um, whether this is up to par. Um, because obviously a algorithm of researching through like millions of papers, it will make mistakes and will think of a paper that it is probably, it thinks it right, but it's not right. So we sort of go back and audit the data and it's just about like manipulating big data in a, in a, in a big database system. It's called the uh, system of records, SOR. And I just, part, I'm part of a team that provides those like scientific eyes that checks the data to see if it's accurate and constantly um, helps them understand how they can make the program better. So I found this job through a person who was actually working in the lab previously, and they got a job in this company um, last year. So 2019, no, 2020, early 2020. And, um, but as I was about to graduate like three months earlier, I realized that I, it's time to start looking for a job. It's always good to start early, just sit on the market. And I just saw a posting that they posted on LinkedIn about this job and I contacted them and we were, uh, she was my mentor. So I, we were very casual in conversation and I just asked like, uh, what is this role about? What's the company like? And she had really good things to say about the company. So I sent her my resume and she applied uh, she referred me to the position uh, internally and I got the interview and then I got the second interview and then I ended up uh, at the company myself uh, in November, mid-November. So it's been about, uh, I want to say three months. Yeah, about three months. And uh, again, it goes to show you one of those things that you don't necessarily expect to come out of grad school because um, you go there for knowledge and experiences, of course. But one of the things I I did was to talk to people around me and one of the things that I uh, sort of uh, got out of it was good networks. So people who, and also don't talk to people just for the sake of networking. I guess that kind of like comes across if you are just interested for the sake of, you know, their connection, but just be genuinely interested in people and like ask them questions about themselves. And people love to talk about themselves. Um, we all do. So it's nice to always know uh, what other people are doing and sort of genuinely be on their good side. And uh, this is how I ended up with a job. And um, and I would love to refer anyone who uh, from the lab comes at me with a proposal that they want to work in the company. And if there's an uh, opening, I will happily refer to them as well. So it's one of those things that oftentimes people think that networking events are really good to network. But a person who is more likely to vouch for you in an interview process, someone you already know personally, compared to someone you just met in a networking event for like two minutes. Uh, it's good for information gathering, but not necessarily for building connections. Um, so that's how I ended up with a job. I like it. It's enjoyable. I actually use my degree. I use my knowledge for the past two and a half years that I actually worked on. So that's really good. It's rewarding. And the company itself has good morals um, because it's a, one of those like, you know, hippie startups. So, it, you know, you get good benefits and the people are uh, nice and accepting. So it makes a huge difference. Okay. Thank you so much and congratulations. Um, and we're going to do, just before we do breakout rooms, because we have some time, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. So it's just like random questions. If you guys don't want to answer them, you don't have to answer them. Um, but the first one is, what famous person would you most like to go to dinner with and why? Oh, God. Uh, Muhammad, do you want to take that one first? <laughs> <laughs> most famous person I would like to go to dinner with? Oh, uh, uh... Probably say um, Michael Jordan. I mean, he's been my my idol ever since I was a kid. Um, even though I never watched him play, I'm too young for that. But probably it would be nice meeting him. Yeah. Wait, you said Muhammad Ali? No, 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 Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay. I'm not into boxing. I'm into basketball. Okay, Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, for me, I'm gonna have to say someone who's a like in business, I have a I have, I have a huge interest in business and someone who's done really well for himself. And it's a cliche answer, but Bill Gates, um, he's a he's a successful person, but he's also into philanthropy and he really cares about the betterment of the world. So it'd be nice to pick his brain on like what he thinks where we are headed. And, you know, he has a, you know, bird eye view of the whole scenario in the world. So I'm sure he would be super um, intellectual in that regard. So Bill Gates. Actually, a really good one. Um, okay, next, something in the top 10 of your bucket list. Just one thing. Oh, um, I want to say visit um, uh, Dubai, Iceland, and maybe Bora Bora. Beautiful. And Mohammed? I would say 
I would love to see Egypt and uh, Jerusalem. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And our last um, rapid fire is, what was your greatest failure? <laughs> rapid fire. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know, greatest failure. I feel like failures teach you things. So I sort of like re-imagine them as something that they taught me. So I want to say probably not getting into med school. I know this is not the right card for that. <laughs> but um, uh, I once I didn't get into med school, I almost near the end, I sort of knew I won't. But um, it sort of like taught me the perseverance to go through with the goal, even even when I had um, sort of shaky um, ideas about it, I, I, I knew that it won't be successful, but I went through the process anyway, just so I could uh, say that I followed through with the goal that I had. Um, but it also taught me that, again, I keep saying that the success is, uh, is, is, is not equal to med school, like it's, it's more than that, it's bigger than that. So that's definitely one of the lessons I learned. Okay, thank you, and Mohammed. Muhammad, biggest success, biggest failure, Muhammad. Uh, biggest failure, I would say failing to integrate into um, the university-like way of um, working. I mean, I would say like uh, studying and all that when I finished high school, I was still kind of like in high school mode where you can, oh, you can skip class, you know, and it's fine. And when you get to university, like, oh, what? I'm not getting a phone call? Okay, I'm not going to class. But then you realize that, hey, this is going to put you in a deeper and deeper hole. And um I think if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have had to like <clears throat> really just go maniacal after in terms of like really getting my grades up um, after first year. So that's probably one thing that comes to mind. Okay, thank you. Um, so, oh, did I open breakout rooms already? I did that. I did oh, that. you did that. I was like, what just happened? Okay, so breakout rooms are open. So if the panelists, can you guys see the option to go to breakout rooms? Yeah, yeah, I can. So you can just go to your assigned, your name. Okay. Okay. 